Hi everyone, welcome to the 91st episode of In The Between. We are uh, kind of surprised that we're at episode 91, like wow, that's pretty <laughs> amazing. Um, so I guess we should get up to doing something very special for the 100th episode. We will think more, talk more about it. But for now, we're going to be talking about a really fun project that Danny has been involved in. I will leave her to tell us more. Yeah, so we were catching up on what we've been up to recently and I finally managed to uh, have been able to announce about a project that I worked on, I think almost two years ago. So I developed a um, concept cost for a costume for an animated film called A Closed System, directed by uh, filmmaker uh, Ken Quack. So it was really interesting. It was the first time I've done costumes for animation and, you know, just put on my researcher hat. And it was really fun because the, the premise of the animation is um, about the climate crisis and thinking about what Singapore would be like in the next 50 years. And the director, Ken Quick, was really gave me some really interesting prompts to work with, like uh, thinking about what everyday clothes would look like in 50 years and how would people distinguish, you know, class and all the different things that we distinguish right now with fashion in 50 years, as well as thinking about how trend cycles come every 20 years, right? So now Y2K style is super in, so what will kind of continue in 50 years time? Yeah, I mean, for me, I know when I found out that it was out, okay, I didn't know it was two years in the making. That's intense. Yeah. Um, but I first went through your concept board and I thought it was very interesting, the prompts that were given and how you were linking the prompts with like current trends, current thinking, um, and to give like three-dimensional form in the costumes. So I wonder, you know, what the process is like beyond the research. Like you give the concept board and then what happens next? Like, do you have to draw it out? Does someone draw it out for you? And then you're like, yes, this is what I mean. Like, how does that work? So at that time when we were doing this, everything was, we, we did a lot of these conversations remotely. And um, the thing is that, you know, the animation process is quite, intense and separate so I was I was tasked more to kind of come up with the conceptualization of it and of course some things wouldn't work with um, technically or would be very difficult for animation animators to 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 work with so I think there is a concept but there's always uh, then I drew it out I, I gave a few ideas and then had a back and forth with the director because there were some things in the story or some frames that we was thinking of. Like, for example, he wanted to have um, a close-up of the, of the characters. So then the masks would have to uh, shield their faces first and then um, yeah, reveal them. They, he, had, he wanted that element to be in. So we worked on some like face mask ideas. And I think as like people interested in fashion and contextual studies, um, I really loved how um, our skills can be used in other ways, you know, our skills in research and um, also to, to think about the future is always 
to think about now and what is already possible. So um, as you saw at the concept board, some of the stuff I was looking at was like 3D printing. I was looking at, um, you know, the, the, the future of fast fashion, how, you know, materials can be re are recycled already and and how would this look like in 50 years so I think one of the things I was thinking about is like maybe in 50 years we would be printing our clothes at home instead and um, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have like seamless um, items um, as part of the concept initially. Yeah, that was what I thought was really incredible. You know, like with costume design, it's always about the research, right? I mean, you know, the best costume designers are thinking not just about like the storyline, but also, you know, um, what can help to drive the characterization or the, the characters forward and also just kind of making it feel believable. But then there's also that creative side involved because you need to put that in as well. Um, so all very fascinating. What do you think when you finally saw, you know, like the first cut of the animated shot? Um, when I saw it, I was, I was, um, I mean, it was, it, it had been quite a while since I had done the concept board. So I was like really, uh, like really excited to see how it will go. And I had taken some of the script as prompts for certain things as well. For example, there's a, a scene where um, th there's some, um, the mother has to do, has to control something. And I had given them all wearables that, that are connected to, they're supposed to be con connected to the internet of everything. So she used her glove to like um, control things on the screen. So I was really happy to see that these things had translated through. Um, and yeah, it was interesting because I did them for two dimensions. So I, I did the, the concept sketches for two dimension and then now I could see them, how they moved. And also I could see that some decisions had been made maybe for the seaming or the paneling to change so that it could um, ease, be more easily adapted for animation. So cool. Yeah, I mean, with the gloves, I think it's like you actively contributed to how the story would look, right? And how the film would be presented eventually to the audiences. So that's really something. Um, so where will this, where can we watch this animated shot for those who are interested? I mean, we'll put in a link and all that, but you know, um, where was it presented or where will it be presented? And um, who's the target audience and, and things like that? So the animated film has premiered on Omeletto, which is an online um, portal where you can find other animated films. And yeah, you can see it there. And um, I connected it to my big screen, so I got to see it on the big screen. <laughs> okay, just to say that there's like fogging going on in my neighborhood, so I don't know if you can hear it. But if you do, that's what it is. Um, well. Over on my end, since we were catching up on what we've been up to, uh, lots of things, uh, some <laughs> from the art and market side where we launched our third annual publication called Check-In. And then also on the art and market side, we are like running the fourth fresh tape writing contest. So if any of you, you know, you're interested in fashion, but also in art and you want to do some creative or critical writing, go look that up. Um, we're also running an art journalism 101 course 
uh, at the end of the month. So you can also check that out. Okay, thank you for letting nice. me play. <laughs> and beyond that, um, last weekend, I participated with both Art and Market and Fashion and Market at the first Singapore Independent Media Fair. And it was at um, Projector at the Cafe. I don't know whether mm. I've watched the name, but it's, yeah, no. this projector, this <laughs> cafe, you know, it's, it's where it was. And it was very interesting because we were exhibiting or presenting our work at the fair with, of course, other independent media outlets. Um, but what I found super innovative, and I'd never seen this before at a, in a fair setting, was that before the fair started, we had a closed-door session. So all the exhibitors got together in a room for two hours uh, to just talk about you know the challenges we face and how we overcome them and like what what else can we do moving forward you know can we yeah can we do something that is like a collective of independent media in Singapore and I think um, I mean all along of course I know that I am an independent media outlet but (laughs) it's so nice to kind of be like oh I'm not alone in this and yes I am indeed this you know independent media thing um, and that the work that we all do has value and actually there were a lot of different outlets doing a wide range of things so everything from like um, rallying for you know measures to help us with climate change to Mm -hmm. like you know more political platforms um, to you know advocacy groups and then here we are art and fashion which felt a bit more la 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 um, and I think when we first did a closeout session, there was talk about like censorship and things like that. And while I don't face that, I think in any way in Singapore, I've definitely published articles and essays from um, contributors who do face that in their own countries. And I've had to like, you know, kind of conceal their identity and publish their work in, in mm. another name. So um, it's interesting to think about this all in a more serious way as a group rather than just like, you know, something that I'm facing alone with like my computer screen and whoever it is I'm collaborating with. Um, so that was fun. And then at this particular fair, we also launched Fashion and Market Marketplace or Fair Marketplace. And I was very happy to bring just one publication for Fair Marketplace this time, um, but it was Magazine for Young Girls by Wong Wei Ting. And we nice. sold a couple of copies at the fair, which was really nice. And then one of them said that she might want to stock it at our national library. So I don't know, just putting oh, it out, out so loud cool. in the universe. Hopefully it will happen. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool. It was cool to meet with some readers and just to realize that actually what we do is also not existing in a vacuum. Because like sometimes you just put things out and then you're just like, oh, it just disappears yeah. into the um, but to have someone come up, like come up to you in person to say like oh I read your site and um, this is how it has impacted me, you know even if it's just a couple of people that's still very impactful that still feels more solid than just like putting things out there and then nothing happens. Yeah, it's so good and it, it people as in you know in in general the the train of thought is that oh people are reading less and blah blah, blah but the fact that so much publishing can happen, it means that there is a demand and people are still interested to slow down and, and read and and it has just changed. Um, maybe they're not in always in physically printed books, but also like on online publications and things like that. Yeah, and you know, like just a couple of weeks ago, I forwarded to you this 
uh, Straits Times article on zines, right? Which I thought yeah. was like well written. Um, yes. And it covered like this, you know, underground zine scene. And then what I picked out was that the I think either the journalists or the people interviewed were noticing that these zines are not um, shabbily produced, right? They don't feel cut and paste. Um, rather, they feel really polished. And I think actually that is the trajectory of, you know, independent publishing. And there is so much that people want to say um, beyond like state newspapers or like the very traditional titles. And it's amazing because then it's, you know, polyvocal. There's a lot more voices out there for us to hear from and then form our own opinion. There's a lot of ways that we can support these publications, even if it's just to appear at a fair and say to someone creating the work that like, you know, I read what you're producing. Thank you. Yeah. So I think that's all I have to share on what's been going on. Still very work-driven, even though we're supposed to be on summer break. And I know you're also still working. Yes, we're still working. <laughs> yeah. I'm here back in the Winstead campus of school, yes. preparing for next uh, semester's lessons. The work never ends, but we like it for the most part. So all is good. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for watching us or listening to us. We really appreciate it. And um, we're now just like counting down to the 100th episode, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye.